let's go ahead and jump in. We're going to actually be finishing up our Proverbs series. I know it kind of fell kind of funny this time. I was gone uh, a couple weeks ago, and then of course last week Michael was here. But we are going to kind of finish up Proverbs, and then next week we're going to be starting a new uh, four-week series that I'm very excited about sharing with you. I'll let you know a little bit more about that this week. But as we've been kind of looking at this, uh, this series, we've been kind of studying the book of Proverbs. We've looked at many, many different things. And over the last several weeks, we've been kind of looking at basically kind of what a wise person does or what a wise person is, is, is kind of about. And so we're going to kind of finish that up with one of the most important ones that I think that we see in the book of Proverbs, but not just in the book of Proverbs, but really throughout all of Scripture. But before we kind of get to that, I really want to lay some groundwork for some stuff to kind of help us see some things. And the best place to do that, I've always found, is to kind of go back to the beginning, back to when, and I've said this before, back when God looked at things and and said, man, they're good. They're very good. Because in those moments, we can kind of see what God really had in store and what God really wants for us. And so to really kind of lay the groundwork for this final message this morning, we're going to go back to God's plan and purpose from the very beginning. A lot of times we, we've talked a little bit about this in the past. We're going we're gonna to spend a few moments kind of looking at this because without this, then we kind of miss the, the, the other things that we're going to be talking about a little bit later as far as what a wise person uh, does and kind of has we've been doing that over the last couple of weeks. But before we do, let's pray. Father, we do love you and we do thank you for this time, for this morning. God, I pray that you would just speak through me, that God, my words would cease, that yours would begin. And that, Father, we would open our hearts to the Holy Spirit to allow the Holy Spirit to, to show us areas, to convict maybe where we need to be convicted, to illuminate areas that we need illuminated in our hearts and in our lives. But that, Father, as we look at these things together, more than anything, that your words would be the words that come out, because those are the words that change everything. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So like I said, let's start by looking at God's plan and purpose from the beginning. Now to figure that out, we got to go back to the beginning. So let's start with Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, we see some things that are very important. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and, all, and over all the creatures that move around along the ground. Verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So I'm, I'm said, I, we're, we're starting way back at the beginning. So in this scripture, we're seeing God beginning to form us, beginning to understand that our, our likeness has been, we've been created in the likeness of God, that we have these things, and we're going to kind of allow these scriptures to build a little bit and then kind of come back and look at them all together as a whole. Now let's look on with Isaiah 43. In Isaiah 43, verse 7, it says this, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. So again, we're kind of looking at this idea of forming and image and glory and what God is doing here. Let's continue now a little bit further down in Isaiah 43. Let's look at verse number 21. It says, The people who I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. So we have Genesis and we have a couple verses here in Isaiah talking about this idea of forming, talking about this idea of, of image, talking about this idea of glory, talking about this idea of praise. All these things as God is forming you and me, as God is forming Adam and Eve and so on and so forth, way back in the garden, we're starting to see some purpose here. We're starting to see some plans here. God doesn't just throw in dirt at the wall and say, oh look, something came out. There's some planning here. There's some desire here that needs to be understood. Now let's jump into the New Testament and look at a wonderful verse that I've really always enjoyed. Ephesians, excuse me, 2, verse number 10. In Ephesians 2, verse number 10, here's what it says. For we are his workmanship. That idea of workmanship still kind of has that, that idea of forming, that idea of being created and crafted by God, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So here in, in Ephesians, what Paul is trying to get us to understand is once again this idea of being formed, this idea of being crafted, and this idea that God didn't just craft us or give us plans or purpose for no reason. He actually is doing this for a purpose, and those purposes are these good things that God has created us to do from the very beginning. Okay? So again, just real quick, just to kind of lay the groundwork for this morning, I want you to understand a couple of things from these scriptures. So, this is in your notes. If you are alive and breathing today, and I assume we are all alive, and I assume we're all breathing. So this is for everyone, including those that are online. Here's what we can learn about what God's plan and purpose is for us. Number one, you have been created by God. Okay? You have been created by God. You are not an accident. You are not an oops. You are not a whoopsie-daisy, I don't know how this happened kind of a situation. God created you. You are his creation. You are his handiwork. He formed you just like we see in Scripture. He formed you and me in our mother's womb, we're told in Scripture. But you were created by God. Number two, you were being created in the image of God. This is very important that we understand. That God didn't just throw, like I said, throw something up the wall and see what comes out. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, it says, let us, formed us in His image. His image. It's very important that you know that, that you understand that. Number three, you've been basically created for His glory. Not your glory. Listen, not for the glory of this church, but for his glory, his plan. You are to do things that give glory to him because he is deserving of that praise and all that glory. And that moves into the next one. You are to declare his praise, okay? You are to declare his praise. Listen, we're going to talk a little bit more about this today. Sometimes you're going to have to open your mouth. Sometimes you're going to have to, there's something powerful about the word of your testimony. That word that comes out. We talked about it before. We talked about it in this series. Wise people understand the power of words. Do you understand that when you praise, when you send those things out, there's power behind them? It's important. We are to declare his praise. And the last one, you are to do the good things that he is planned for you. Okay? Now, this is a good one. Because not only do we see these good things, but also God lets us know, listen, I've already planned this for you. Okay? How many of you have ever been on a vacation before? And, and, and well, maybe, maybe let me put it this way. Like, uh, when I was a youth pastor, one of the things that I did to do a lot was plan trips. Or, you know, I'm going to plan a youth camp, or I'm going to plan a missions trip, or I'm going to plan this, or I'm going to plan that. And you know what I found about those things? Those were great, awesome things. But you know what I really didn't like? The planning. I got kind of tired of the planning. It's like, okay, what are we going to do? It's, I have 15 teenagers in the middle of, of Oklahoma. What are we going to do for three hours that isn't going to break the law? I couldn't just say, run free, because they would run free right into jail time probably. You know what I mean? So I had to plan these things. You ever been on a trip where everything's planned for you? You just show up. It's like they just say, listen, you be at the airport at 7 a.m. on this day and, and off you go. I mean, that's, that's like, you know, and especially if somebody is good at what they're doing, you know, they know, like, that's a, that's a vacation to me. It's like, I just show up. It's like, it's like, okay, they know what you like and they know where we're going and you just kind of do that. You realize that God has kind of done that with you and me. God has great things for you, and he's already planned them. What God is asking you and me to do a lot of the times is just show up and be open to what God has planned for you. Unfortunately, what we tend to do is we tend to say God comes and says, listen, I got some great things planned. I got some great things for you. And we say, you know, God, I just, I, I got other things to do. When we miss it. But God's already planned these for you. He's planned these for me. And what God is wanting us to do, the purpose, one of the purposes that he gives us, is to walk out these things and allow these things to take place in our lives. But here's the deal. When I look at things like this, what I really want to know, 
is yeah, these are good things, but, but, but what's something that's really up there? Like what, what great things did God really prepare for me? And that really is kind of what we're going to be t- kind of now moving into as we kind of finish up our series on the book of Proverbs. And it's quite simply this, wise people point people to Jesus. You want to talk about one of the greatest good things that God has for you and for me? It's pointing people to Jesus. It's helping people find who Jesus is. Look at this in Proverbs 11.30. This is in the New King James Version. This is what it says. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. I love how in this scripture we see this idea of fruitfulness and we also see this idea of souls being saved, souls being ministered to. Listen, here's the thing you need to understand. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you're retired. It doesn't matter if you teach, if you're a a carpenter. It doesn't matter if you are, it just doesn't matter your job. It doesn't matter who you are. Listen, the greatest thing you can do is help point and lead people to Jesus. Listen, I, I put it in your notes. No matter what you, who you are or what you do, the wisest thing you can do is lead people to Jesus. And listen, here's the deal. It's one of those things that is so easy for us to miss. You know what I mean? It's so easy to think that someone else will do it. It's so easy to think, well, that's, that's, that's somebody else's job. I, I'm just not good at that. I, 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 don't, I don't know how to handle those things. And, and, and here's the thing. It's, it's all of our responsibility to help people know who Jesus is. It's all of our responsibility to share what Jesus has done in us and through us. Listen, here's the deal. If you miss this, you're missing a major part of really what it is to be a follower of Jesus, okay? You, you, you miss it if we miss this. And a wise person understands that. They understand that it's important that we point people to Jesus. I'm going to tell you a little, little funny story. Well, not a funny story, but a little something's going on in my life because... I thought, it was, I thought it was funny, but um, I've been listening to, and I have now for a couple years now, um, I think when COVID kind of hit, um, kind of moved in this direction where I've, I've started to listen to books um, on, I, I, I was going to say books on tape. Uh, don't think they have that anymore. Um, but I know, so, so we'll go to the, you know, not, I don't go to the library, but I have an app and basically I can check out books. Uh, audiobooks, basically, from the library. And so I've been kind of listening to a whole bunch. I mean, I've been listening to books, all sorts of different books, and some that are, you know, spiritual and some absolutely not. They're just, you know, history books that I am weird enough to enjoy reading or have read to me now, which is kind of nice. And I've been enjoying these. Well, about, it's been about four or five months now. I had this urge, and, and I don't know if, as, as you're getting older, I don't know if you're doing this too, but like, I'm having like this urge to like remember things back when I was younger. I, I don't know if that's everybody, but it's definitely me. And, and, and I realized something, and, and how many of you, um, and it's okay to admit this, this is not a, a bad thing, uh, and you don't need to raise your hand, but just know in your heart, you know. Um, how many of you remember the Left Behind series? Remember those? Oh, good. Okay, five of you. Good. Nice. Um, the Left Behind series, it came out, I think, in the late 90s, and I mean, it was for a long time, I mean, it was like, it was really important, and, and I remember I started those books, and I, and I think there's like, even, even though I've actually been in the process of going through them, I think there's like 11 or 12 of them, and, and what's funny is I started, and I was going through those things, and I'm reading them, uh, and all these sort of things, and I got to like book like nine, and I quit. I just stopped reading. I, I don't know why. I don't know if I was in college at the time. I don't know if I just got busy with other things. I never finished the series. And if you know anything about the series, it's about some believers who, who missed the rapture, you know, and it basically gives a, a, a story of that seven-year period. We're not going to get into eschatology this morning, but it's basically this period. And just so you know, at the end of the seven years, you know, good things happen, okay? 
And I missed it. I stopped reading. I mean, I was in the really, really bad parts, you know, and I just stopped reading. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to actually finish that series. And so I started actually way back, and they wrote some more books. And anyway, I've been through all these things, and I'm actually waiting for the very, very last book to come out, which came out actually a couple years after the series that I thought was over. And somebody's already checked it out, so I'm waiting, so I'm very impatient right now. But anyway, but here's the thing. I've kind of, as I've been reading those things, you know, like, like God will take a lot of different things at a lot of different times. And you just talk about where really this message came from. It came from me reading those books again, or having those books read to me, because I realized something. Souls matter. They matter a lot. And we're not always going to have tomorrow to tell our neighbor about Jesus. We're not always going to have the opportunity to point our family to Jesus. There is going to come a day where that, that's not going to be available to you and me. Today is the day of salvation. And one of the greatest, most important things you can do is point people to Jesus. Now listen to me. I didn't say hog tie them and make sure they accept Jesus. I said point them to Jesus. As we conclude this morning, I really will unpack that a little bit more, but but listen, I want to give us some, some very simple applications. Some of this, you go there, and this is real simple. Yeah, it is. And if it was so easy, we'd all do it so well, but we don't. So I want to spend the rest of our time looking at how can we point people to Jesus. I want to give you some things. I want to give you some check marks to say, listen, am I doing these things? Because listen, if you're not, you will find this extremely difficult so it is going to take us a little bit of openness and a little bit of, you know, being truthful with where we're at because this matters and it matters a great deal. Listen, I would put it this way. Every single one of you that are here that know Jesus are here because someone else pointed you to Jesus. You realize that? Every single one of us. May have been a parent, maybe it was a pastor, maybe it was a teacher, maybe it was a friend. You are here. You know Jesus because God used someone else to point you there. And one of the great things about how God has set up this plan for, for, for discipleship is he said, you know what? I'm going to use you now to point others there. Don't break the chain. I've heard it said the church, Christianity, is one generation away from extinction. Why? Because it takes us this people, this group of individuals to say, you know what? I'm not going to let it die on my watch. I'm not going to let it stop here. I'm going to make sure that everyone that I have a contact with knows that they need to be find Jesus and that I can point them to them. So let's look at some of these ideas, some, some things that we need to do to help us to do our, complete this mission that God has given us. Number one, we need to stay close to him, Okay. It really does start with your walk with Jesus. If you have a distant relationship with him, you're going to have a really hard time pointing others to him, okay? Whether it be through your actions or your words. So you really need to stay close to him. Look at Jeremiah 9. I love this verse. If you don't have this verse underlined in your Bible, please do so. Listen, Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24 says this. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. Verse 24, but those who wish to boast should boast in this alone. This is it, okay? Not the car you drive, not the job you have, not any of those things. This is what we celebrate, that they truly know me. Underline the words, know me, and truly, in your Bible, that they truly know me, and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. And that I delight, underline the word delight, in these things. And then just in case you missed it, just in case you didn't quite understand what's being said, it says, I, the Lord, have spoken. 
I could literally, and I mean this, and I'm not going to do it because I, I love you too much. I could literally spend a month on this verse alone. There is so much here that God wants to unpack for you and me. But listen to what it says. It says, listen, you, you're not to boast in all these things that are temporary. All these things that aren't going to matter. What are you going to boast in? What matters the most? That you know me. You truly know me. And when you truly know, how, God says, well, how do you know that? How do I understand that I truly know God? Then God begins to list how you would truly know him. By knowing who he is, his attributes, that he demonstrates unfailing love, justice, righteousness. And not only does he does do those things, but he delights in them. He delights in unfailing love. He delights in justice and righteousness. It's like, you know, I, it's hard to like get an idea kind of like, it's like I see God up in heaven going, oh, I just love these things so much. He delights in them. You realize that the more you know who God is, the more you begin to understand what God is about and his attributes and his character and what he delights in. But listen, I want to share, hear me, I want to share with people that God has an unfailing love. I want to share with people that our God is a God of righteousness and justice and mercy and grace. How do I do that effectively? By truly knowing him and understanding him. But sometimes we think that we can go and point people to Jesus when we don't really know who Jesus is. Folks, we've got to change that. I'm not saying we need to know everything about God, that we, but, but we better be growing in it, folks. We better be moving in that direction. Look at also at Proverbs 13. We've used this verse in, in, in earlier in the series, but look what it says, Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Who's the wisest person we can walk with? It's Jesus. Now, obviously, what we typically think is, oh, and who I associate with on this earth, it matters. Of course it does, because what? It also matters in our spiritual walk. Listen, you want to grow in wisdom? You want to be able to point people to Jesus? Walk with the wise. We saw earlier in our series how Jesus literally is that wisdom of God. So we got to walk with him. we got to walk with him. So we need to stay close to him. Number two. Number two, we need to make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Look at Ephesians 5. In Ephesians 5, 15 through 16, here's what it says. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. If you notice, all these scriptures have a little bit of what, wisdom and fool in them, okay? Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Listen, it's real simple. We're going to go through these quick because these are somewhat basic, but we need to understand them again. What opportunities do we have to point people to Jesus? Okay, What opportunities do we have to do that? Listen, we've talked about these many, many times. It doesn't mean they're not important, but it just means that we should be getting them by now. It's real simple. Throw them up there. Opportunities with our time, opportunities with our abilities, and opportunities with our resources. Okay? Listen, it's, it's real simple. Like I said, we've talked about these a lot, okay? But I want to ask you a, simply, a slightly different question, okay? When it comes to uh, opportunities with time and abilities and resources and all these things, listen, here's the thing we need to understand. Our calendar, our checkbook, how we associate with people. Listen, I have a simple question for you. Is there evidence in those things that you are making the most out of every opportunity? Okay? Is there evidence? Because here's the thing. If you tell me souls matter, I should see it in your calendar. Okay? If you tell me that it matters that people are separated from Jesus and you want to be a light in a dark place, then your checkbook should reflect that. Yeah, I mean, you've heard it. You put your money where your mouth is, right? You put your time, you know, what's important you put your time into, okay? 
there should be clear evidence of that. Let me, let me help you with this. If you tell me you love a people and you want people to find Jesus, but you never spend any time with anyone who doesn't know Jesus, there's some, something problematic there, okay? If you're not helping them and you're not pointing them to Jesus, then there's something here that isn't, congru- isn't congruent that we need to understand. And listen, this is not about perfection either. It's, but it is about a lifestyle. And I'll give you a perfect example. And this, and this I, I love my wife, and I wanted to just give her a big hug after she did this, okay? And it's true. But I had a, I had a situation this week. Not going to tell you what it is. Just had a situation. Went into the house, and I, she, I had not told her what I was speaking on yet. It was awesome. It's great. And she said, you know, did you invite him to church? And I went. No. Probably should have. Listen, I I missed an opportunity too. We all miss opportunities. You know, and and here's the thing. This is, I wanted us to get this because this is not about shame or guilt or all that nonsense, okay? And a lot of times we, we, we can allow the misses to keep us from moving forward. And listen, I just put this, listen, here, here's a real simple thing. This is what I had to do this week, okay? Seize the opportunities you see and surrender the opportunities you miss. Okay, we're all going to miss them. We're all going to miss them. But let's try to seize as many as we can. Because you know what? I should have. This week, I should have. It was, it was like, mm, and I missed it. Maybe God will give me another opportunity. But there was a person right there. And I could have said, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to tell you a little about, about Jesus. I'd love to invite you to be a part of our family here. I missed it too. So I have to let go of that so that I don't miss the next one. And you need to sometimes do the same. Number three. Again, these are some simple ones, but important. Number three, we need to watch our talk. Watch our talk. Listen, I'm not going to unpack this a lot. We had a whole message on, on, on wise people understanding the power of their words. If you want to go online, you can listen to it again. But our words really matter. Look at Proverbs 10, 21. This is what it says. The life of the godly uh, is, uh, this, that's Proverbs 13. That's the next one. Do we have Proverbs 10? Because I can get there if we don't. It's all right. I mean, I probably gave them wrong. Oh, there it is. Perfect. Did I do something wrong? Yeah, it happens. I had two weeks off. I mean, this is, you know, i got to get back in the groove, you know. So yeah. The words of the godly encourage many, but fools are destroyed by their lack of common sense. Again, we're not going to go a lot into this. We talked about this several weeks ago. You can go back and listen to it. But real simply, it's in your notes. Our words either point people to Jesus or they point him away from him. Simple as that. Our words will either point them to or away. What are yours doing? What are yours doing? So we got to watch our talk. And then obviously the next one, we need to walk the walk. We need to walk the walk. Now let's go ahead and go to Proverbs 13.9. Proverbs 13.9. There it is. Good job, guys. The life of the godly is full of light and joy, but the light of the wicked will, uh, but the light of the wicked will be snuffed out. How you talk, how you live, it matters. Okay? People are watching you. And I don't say that to make you look, you know, like over your shoulder all the time and wear a tinfoil hat. People are watching you. They know who you claim to be, and they want to see, are you really living it and talking like it? Now listen, again, this is not about perfection, guys. We all say things, and we all do things, that at the end of the day, we put our head on the pillow, and we go, wow, I really blew it. But this is about a lifestyle that needs to be evident in our lives. Okay, listen, Jesus talked about it. We see it in scripture all the time. There is no connection between light and darkness. 
there should be something different about who you are and how you speak and how you communicate, how you encourage, how you don't take that opportunity to put somebody down, but instead you try to find the positive. That you live in such a way that, that you say, you know what, I'm not going to just say that pointing people to Jesus is important. I'm going to allow things in my life to, to show that and to be evident in that. Whenever we talk about this or this topic, you know, I know sometimes people can kind of, they kind of tense up a little bit and, you know, Aaron, what does that mean? Does that mean I need to, you know, get a bunch of Bible tracts and hand them out? Does that mean I need to stand on the corner with a big sign? Well, what, 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 what do I do here? And listen, my opinion about this has always been the same. I believe very strongly that you point people to Jesus the most effective way when you are in relationship with people. When you spend time with them, loving on them, caring for them, being there for them. Not, not trying to get that spiritual notch on your belt, if that makes sense, but literally sharing life with them so that they are open, they trust you, and they know that you care for them more than just trying to quote-unquote get them saved, but you actually care about who they are as people. So important. And so I don't want you to walk out of here going, oh man, listen, I believe this very strongly. I believe that every, every person, if you will turn around and open your eyes and look, God has already placed people in your life that he wants you to point to Jesus. They're there. We just have to open our eyes to them. We have to be willing to say, you know what? I know it would be nicer to sit home right now. I know it would be easier just to sit here and veg in front of the TV. But you know what? I'm not. I'm going to make a phone call. I'm going to say, hey, let's go have some coffee. Hey, let's go talk. Hey, I'm going for a walk later on this evening. You'll want to come with me. Whatever that might be. Yeah, I know sometimes it's easier to maybe sit at your desk at work and get a little bit more done. But maybe it's better in that moment to say, you know what, these things can wait. Because I have a coworker who desperately needs my attention. It's not always easy, and I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying you always do it right. I just gave you an example of how I failed this week. But God desperately wants to use you. Do you know that? We would go all the way back to Genesis and all the way back to plan and purpose. God's got it planned out. Are you willing to show up and be used by Him? Because listen, whether you know it or not, you got people all around you that need you to point them to Jesus. Some live in the house next door. Some are going to be waiting on you at the restaurant today. Some live in your home some work with you. Some teach you. Some are, they go to the same class as you. God wants to use you in powerful ways. And I want to close by, by looking in John to kind of encourage you, but also to help you see a couple things as we kind of bring this to a close. So, so let's start in John 1. John 1, we're going to look at verses 35, 37, and then we're going to jump to 40 and 42. Listen to what it says, okay? This is the beginning of, of John's gospel. And so he's kind of laying down the groundworks for the ministry of Jesus and things like that. It says this, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. Now let me stop here so make sure we understand. This is John the Baptist. It's not John uh, who wrote the book, okay? This is John the Baptist here. We see this. This is the next day John, I'm just going to say the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. So, so let's kind of give you this idea. So John's sitting here. He looks, he sees Jesus, and he declares a messianic title over him. He says basically, listen, this is the guy. This is the one. This is the guy. Now these two guys are John's disciples. John had disciples too, if you didn't know. And in this moment, when this declaration comes, they immediately leave and begin to follow Jesus. Now let's continue on. Uh, it says, Andrew, Andrew, Simon Peter's brothers, 
was one of the two who heard what John had said and had followed Jesus. So let's stop here. Now we know we've had identified who one of these disciples of John was. It was Andrew. Andrew is Simon's, uh, or Peter's brother, okay? So he's one that left. Now listen to what it says in verse 41. Listen to what's taking place here. Kind of get the idea of the story. The first thing Andrew did... You have your Bibles. Now, some, some pastors make you repeat things after them, and that's great, and that's fine. I tell you to underline stuff. So if you don't underline things, and I find out, I'm going to make you start repeating things, okay? Got it? Underline the first thing. The first thing after Andrew begins to follow Jesus. Look what he does. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother and tell him. Folks, listen to me and hear my words. One of the first things that we need to do is find and tell who Jesus is, what Jesus has done in your life. Andrew, we see Andrew a lot, not a ton in Scripture, but it's interesting. He, he, he so often is bringing people to Jesus. The first thing he does, he goes and finds his brother. And listen, isn't it interesting? He doesn't go and he doesn't go preach out into the crowd. He goes and he finds those people closest to him. He finds, here, he finds people he has relationship with. Okay? He goes and he tells him, listen to what he tells him. We have found the Messiah. Uh, listen, try to come up with something here that's like not like definitive, okay? Andrew didn't say, hey, you know, I found this guy, he's really cool. Got a really cool name. Got a great beard. You should, maybe, maybe he's, he's, you know, maybe we should check him out. No, no, no. You need to understand in this day and age and in this context, what Andrew has just said. Andrew has just basically told his brother, I just met God. Okay? I just, I just had an experience with the Christ, the Messiah, God's Son. Not wishy-washy, not, well, you know, if you're not doing... No, bam, I just met God. Now, I don't know about you, but in that moment, Peter might have been like, whoa, you need to relax. We don't really know what Peter's response was. But it doesn't matter. Why? Because look what he does next in verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus. I met God. Come on. Let's go. Let's go meet him. Let's go meet him. And then it continues I love this in John. This is so good because God has showed us exactly what he wants us to do. Look at John. Now let's continue. John 1. And now we're going to look at verses 43 and 46. Okay? Same basic time. Here's what it says. The next day, Jesus decides to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. So here's another one of the disciples. Here's another one of his, his, his becoming a follower of Jesus. Jesus finds Philip. And he says, Philip, follow me. Okay? Here we go. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, were from the town of Bethesda. Now, look at verses 45. Philip found Nathanael and told him. Okay? We have found... I want to make sure it's right. There you go. We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Okay? So, so again, what has Philip just communicated? He's basically just communicated the one that Moses wrote about. Well, guess what? Moses has been dead for thousands of years. The prophets have been dead for thousands, even hundreds of years. Who are they writing about? They're writing about God's son. They're writing about God. He is once again declaring who Jesus is in very strong terms. He's saying, this, this is it, man. This is the one. 
The one you need, the one I need, the one that will change it all. This is the one. Now look at verse 46. Look at verse 46. Because I'll be honest with you, when it comes to sharing about Jesus and pointing people to Jesus, 46 in this verse is one you and I, if we're honest, are all scared about. Look what he says, 46. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Or come from there, Nathaniel said? What did he just say? He didn't go, yes, oh, thank goodness Jesus has come. No, he insults him. He doesn't respond favorably to this. He doesn't say, yes, I need to give my life to Jesus. I'm so glad you came. No, he kind of insults him. He insults Jesus. I promise you, I, I'm in, through eternity. I'm going to find myself Nathaniel. I'm gonna like, dude, nice. You insulted Jesus. Good job, you know. You made fun of his hometown. You know, like, listen, I, I, you know, really? And listen. Listen to what, what, what Philip does, and more importantly, what he doesn't do. Philip doesn't say, well, listen, let's open up the scriptures, and let's, let's go back to the book of Moses, and let's look here at the, the scriptures and what the prophets have said. Let's have a debate. He didn't say, how dare you? How dare you insult my Jesus? Ooh, you, oh, the fires of hell are burning bright, and you're headed that way. No. What did he do? Come and see. Come and see. You know what God has really called us all to do when it comes to pointing people to Jesus? Just come and see. You know what I've learned as I've gotten hopefully a little more mature in my walk? Jesus doesn't need a PR man. My Jesus, you just come and see. Because he'll change everything. If you'll let him, he'll give a love to you that you've never experienced before. He will fill the hole in your heart like nothing else ever could or would. My Jesus doesn't need a PR man. My Jesus doesn't need me to tell you how, what. just come and see. And listen to what he says. He doesn't say, come and see uh, me as a Christian, because my, uh, me as a Christian is flawed, and it's still working out his salvation, and still trying to get these things figured out. He said, he didn't say, come and see a denomination. He didn't say, come and see even a particular church. He just simply said, come and see Jesus. Folks, do you realize, listen, here, here, here's what I kind of realized. If you don't understand that all people need is just to come meet him, you may not really know who he is and how wonderful he is. We sang this morning about what a wonderful name. You know that song isn't just talking about the name of Jesus. It's, it's understanding that a name in this time and in this culture, it meant something. It talked about the character of who that person was. When you sing about the wonderful name of Jesus, you're not just talking about him. Oh, that's a great name. It sounds good. It, it's, it's talking about his character. We looked at it back in Isaiah, that unfailing love, that, that person who delights in righteousness and justice. Come and see. Listen, I truly believe this with all my heart. If Christians would just start to in areas of their life where God has given them influence, that they'd stop worrying about being insulted or they'd stop worrying about having a debate or they'd stop worrying about what to say. Listen, what's he say? He says, come and see. Come and see. He doesn't, he doesn't get into all the things we get scared about, does he? Well, what if they ask me questions I don't know the answers to? Just come and see. Listen, our Jesus can speak for himself and does it by changing the hearts and the lives of people. So in these two stories, in these two beginning kind of stories that we get for, for Andrew and Peter and, and, and Nathaniel and Philip, we, we see two individuals, and Andrew and Philip, 
who come to this realization, they have had an experience with Jesus. How do we know that? By the way they respond and the way they talk about him. Like, this is it. This is the man. This is the guy. They don't wait around. They don't say, well, you know, I have to maybe sit under Jesus a little bit longer and have some teaching and, and be able to memorize, you know, all these scriptures and, 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 and all these things. First thing they do, they go and they find and they tell. And when somebody has kind of this attitude that says, oh, I don't know about this, this doesn't make a lot of sense to me, they don't sit there and try to convince them. They just simply say, come and see. I had an opportunity this week to just say, come and see. And I missed it too. So again, I, I want to emphasize, this is not about perfection but it is about a lifestyle that we as followers of Jesus need to adopt and have in our lives. It starts by being close. It's, it's about taking advantage of every opportunity and talking the right way and living the right way. But at some point, you know what it really comes down to? Our ability just to go up to people and say, listen, I found Jesus. I know he can change your life. Come and see. Come and see. Your job isn't to get him saved. Your job is simply to invite them. Come and see. Because here's what I believe in everything in me. You talk about planning, you talk about purpose. You talk about when everything was good. It was when we as humans, God created, lived in communion and harmony and in his presence. Why did Jesus come? Why did he die? Why did he raise? To bring that back. When you invite someone to come and see, you're inviting them back to really discover the purpose and their plan that God had for them at the very beginning. You want to be wise? As we conclude all this, hey, go back and listen to all the messages. Do all those things. Awesome. But help people find Jesus. Point them to Jesus. Help them come home. Say, just come and see. Father, we love you. And God, right now, as we close the service, as we kind of bring all this down, Father, there's a lot to digest here, and I understand that. And God, it's also very easy to make this complicated. It's very easy to allow the enemy to begin to, well, what about this, and what about that, and what about all those things. But Father, you've made it fairly simple for us. You've basically just said, hey, listen, just, just invite them to come and see. We didn't continue in on John, but, but just so you know, and you can read it later on this afternoon, Nathaniel comes and he sees. And Jesus changes everything. Now here's the deal, folks. Nathaniel could have said, you know, I'm not interested. And that's, that's Nathaniel's on him. That was on him. He gets to choose like every single one of us. They get to choose. But here's the thing. As followers of Jesus, hear me here. You don't get to choose whether or not you point people to Jesus or not. That is a command from our Jesus. He is Lord and Savior. We follow him and what he asks and commands us to do. And being a part of the Great Commission, being a part of pointing people to Jesus, hear me here. I'm very clear. This is not optional. I'm not saying you'll do it perfectly. But it needs to be a priority in our lives. And so, Jesus, I pray right now that you would help us. You would help us in this moment. Father, I do believe that there are people right now in every individual's heart that I'm speaking to, either here or online, Father, you have already placed them there. It's said in Ephesians, 
you have already planned these things beforehand. And I believe, and as I've been praying this week, I believe that there's already individuals where basically you are calling us to say, come and see. Maybe it is inviting them to, to a church service, or maybe it's, it's just simply opening the Scriptures and saying, let me show you who Jesus is. Maybe it's just simply sharing what God has done in our hearts. There's lots of ways to say, come and see. But one thing that's not optional is us not inviting those to come and see. And so, Father, I pray that you would put a new boldness in our heart, a new desire in our heart to know that, that today is the day of salvation. We don't have tomorrow, and neither do they, guaranteed. Today is the day. Jesus has said in your word that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. God, I pray that if there is anyone right now within the sound of my voice that is not busy about your work, bringing in a harvest, that, Father, they get busy for you. They'd understand that it's time. They have a great story to tell. They have an unbelievable miracle to express. They went from death to life. And that, Father, that they would, would be excited about sharing that with those who desperately need the same thing. Because someone, Father, someone shared it with them. Don't let it stop with us. Don't let it stop with me. Let the chain continue to go. Let the family continue to grow. Because I have decided I need to point people to Jesus. Father, you're so good. We love you so much. And Father, I pray just an anointing over each heart, each life. That, Father, they would make the most out of their opportunities. And that, Father, I pray that because of the individuals that can hear my voice right now, that there will be many, many souls in heaven. The wise person, the wise person focuses on souls. And, Father, I pray that we would be wise. Father, as we conclude this series, Father, I pray that we will take the understandings, we'll take the application, we'll take all these things that we've looked at over these last, I believe, seven weeks, and Father, we will become wise, not as the world sees wisdom, but as you see wisdom. And we will apply these things, and you'll help us to grow. We love you, and we thank you. You're so good, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much for being here this morning. I hope that you have a great week. For those that are online, man, we love you. We miss you. We hope that you're doing well. I hope you all have a great week, and we'll see you next week. God bless you.